0: I like to say hello and welcome you. Good day, that is my name. Come here and sit down. I'm so glad you even really truly came. We can even go and
1: take a walk or see you. I had it set to Sergio levels, so it was a, a bit loud at first. do you like this. Basically, <laughs> also he holds the microphone a foot away from his face oh, sometimes. No. Okay. Like I have to silently motion to him to like move it towards his yeah. face sometimes. Like hey like, mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: But all right. Y- yeah. My notes are not there, my notes are here.
1: Okay. Okay. Uh I'm hey. I'm Brennan. Oh, we're starting? Aren't we? I guess we did. What would you rather us do? would you have a I was thank uh, you for listening to Cast Party? I'd li- I need a vocal
2: warm up. Oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: okay. So wait, who are you? I'm Brennan. I'm Dave. And this is the Cast Party Podcast. Woo! A freewheeling pop culture conversation. Yeah. Taped in front of a live studio audience. Yeah, we've got an audience today. His name is Jack.
2: Of one. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Jack. For an audience of one. Four people know what that song is.
1: Is that like a medieval folk song? No. Oh,
0: yeah? Okay.
2: I forget the name of the band now. Anyway. Okay. Okay. Was it
1: Deep Blue Something? I'm no. just going to guess until I get it right. Yeah, do that. Garbage. Good idea. <laughs> uh, four non-blondes. No, I like that they're all 90s bands. <laughs> no. It's, Thank you. It's uh, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've heard of them. No, it's not the yeah, yeah, my yeah, name yes. is Stacy. No, no, it's not. That's not my name. <laughs> uh, among, others, among other hits. Such a, yeah. Whatever happened to those commercials for CDs where there were like, Forty song titles that flew by the screen, oh, and one the of them best. was highlighted, and they played so a clip good. of that song. So good, I loved that. I miss them so much. Yeah, I guess people don't buy CDs anymore. No, it'd be commercials for Spotify playlists. I guess. Yeah. Cold War Kids is the name of the band. Oh, song sure. Called Audience.
2: Great. Sounds sounds very good. Yeah, I love it. Not our theme song. Not what we just played. If we, no. this is the beginning of the show.
1: Why? What else would it be, Dave? I don't know. I never know when we're starting. We started. I mean. We start twenty seconds before I say hi. Brandon, yeah, basically yeah. is the rule most of the time. Okay. Um, what are we talking about this episode? What are we talking about? Um, what's the uh, supporting
2: performances in in movies and TV? Yeah, so, yeah.
1: But ones that like steal the show. Yeah, essentially spotlight grabbers. Yeah, performances um, that steal the show. Honestly, I wasn't thinking about the fact that the Oscars already kind of covered this topic and it's still kind mm. of Oscar related. Mm. But the reason I was thinking about it, because mm-hmm. I watched the movie love Simon. Oh, okay. Which is a high school movie about uh, a young man who is a gay. Okay. Um, I know it seems weird that I would watch a movie I like that. So weird. I'm really That's so out of character. Like my girlfriend was like, why are you, uh, <laughs> she's like honey bunches. <laughs> why are you going to see this movie? Do we have to talk? That's how straight people talk. Yeah. I'm yeah. pretty sure. I, you're, you're nailing it. I've met a couple. I know. And they all talk about Sam Rockwell. <laughs> yeah, it's
2: Sam Rockwell nonstop.
1: Yeah, I'd be like, hey, remember Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? And <laughs> Marsha is like, yes, yeah, we watched it together like straight people do. Yeah. He was so good at whatever role he played in that movie. Mm-hmm. Zaphod Beeblebrox. Yes. I remember stuff. That's knowledge. I love Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy.
2: I do too. I love the books more. Well, of course. But- I'm not one of those people that when I love a book and then the movie comes out, I'm like, ugh, I hated it. It wasn't exactly what I wanted. I'm like, they tried. Yeah. They tried, and that's a really hard book to do. And I thought it was zany enough.
1: It was better than the British miniseries that they made Ooh, out of it. I never watched that. Don't. Okay. Don't do that. <laughs> Thanks for that advice. Yeah, no problem. But anyway, I watched Love, Simon. Okay. Um, and it's a totally adequate teen movie. Like, okay. it's it's charming and it's cute and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a actually a drama teacher um okay who is played by natasha rothwell who i've seen in insecure um but she she apparently used to write for snl she was mainly a writer before insecure i think um but yeah she plays this drama teacher and she's super funny and she steals the comedy of the Um, movie like straight away oh good because the movie isn't that funny and -hmm. it's not trying to be it's kind of like a like a warm-hearted teen dramedy, yeah. Like whatever, mm-hmm. we're gonna have a bunch of crying monologues about coming out or whatever. Oh, that's weird.
2: Jennifer Garner's in it,
1: and I was about to say, is it kind of like Juno? Ah, <gasps> yeah. No, there she is. Oh. Yeah, I mean, it is. Yeah, it's it's like that, but less uh, made-up words. And we're talking about who? Um, Natasha Rothwell. She's probably like thirteenth sure. build or something. Yeah. Um, okay. But yeah, so, yeah. No, Love Someone was pretty good, but Natasha Rothwell is what I came away thinking about. Mm. And so that's why I wanted to kind of talk about this subject. Did you not find her yet? Uh, she's still not. Maybe I mean. she's 18th build. She's yeah. not one of the sexy teens, so. I'm, I'm at let the me, part wait, of IMDb where there aren't any pictures. You've gone into the sunken place? <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um. How about I find it for you?
2: Come on. I'll just. It's all
1: right. Okay, you'll just type it in directly and not mm-hmm. scroll through. You know what? Um, Josh Duhamel is really, yeah. uh, really doing his, his best Timothy Oliphant right really? now. Like he's really rocking the Timothy Oliphant vibes. Mm, you mean cause he looks
2: exactly like him? Yes. Yeah. He's
1: got, they've got the same kind of pointy hair. They I have Wolverine hair. Yeah.
2: I want them to do a movie with Jessica Chastain and, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard where they play two couples and the entire movie is built around the fact that none of them can tell each other apart.
1: It could be a remake of that. Like, is there... Big business. That's is that that movie oh, with like two sets yes. of twins?
2: Yes, but they're actually played by the same people. Y- yeah, exactly. But they could do just actors that look alike.
1: Yeah, they could do a remake of that because mm-hmm. they look so similar. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> hmm <laughs> Uh. Yeah. So we want to talk about like that kind of performance. Okay. Where awesome. you walk away thinking about that one person who's been on for twelve minutes or whatever. Um. Yeah, even though uh, Anthony Hopkins got nominated for Best Actor for his Silence of the Lambs performance that was only 12 minutes, mostly supporting characters. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you have one that you thought, like when I told you this topic, was there one that came to mind immediately?
2: Uh, Well, it's weird why it came to mind immediately. Okay, I love weird. Um, Because it just happened to be something we'd been talking about like the day before, I'd been talking about with somebody the day before. When was it? It was at your baseball game.
1: Okay, so the fourteenth anyway. at three p.m. Yeah, it was. This oh, is no, really important. Yesterday, what, what was the timestamp?
2: So it was yesterday before we talked. I think, I don't know, but someone was like, "Oh, that scene in Dazed and Confused where, where <laughs> Ben Affleck is uh is swinging his paddle and he's like ducks on the pond, ducks on the pond," and I was like, "God, what a great performance!" And Ben Affleck in Dazed and Confused is one of those like totally stood out there's a bunch of them in that movie clearly matthew mcconaughey uh-huh. is memorable
0: uh
2: <laughs> so it just that was like i don't know that that was one that stood out to me and just also like one of his best performances so um that was like the uh the the first thing that came to mind and it's like the first thing i wrote down was like okay like in that movie and it's so different than anything he plays and he's like completely devoid of charm in that role he's a Mm -hmm. complete jerk and you hate him but it's so funny and he's so a guy that you went to high school with like the guy that nobody likes even his group of friends don't really like Mm -hmm. him but he doesn't know that and he is the one that takes every joke too far and like he's the one that's way too into this thing where they're paddling the eighth graders and he's also, he was supposed to graduate and he's held back a year. Oh, and yeah. like every little detail of that character, I'm like, yeah, there's about three or four guys I went to high school with that I'm like, yeah, that was, they were, I think his name's O'Bannon or something. And, it, and it's like, that yeah. Sounds, that's a great name for that yeah, character. Yeah, and he's like, God, it's just so perfect. And he's so good in that. And the other time he was really good, it's another supporting role that was in that. I talked about it on another podcast, 200 Cigarettes or something. Oh, yeah, we did talk about that. he plays the dopey bartender, uh-huh. and it's like, perfect. When he gets to be like a small kind of goofy part, I think he's great. When they're like, just be handsome and charming, mm-hmm. he's like, I don't know what to do. Is this handsome and charming? Am I handsome and charming now?
1: Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> he, he was the bomb in Phantoms, but most of his leading roles yeah. aren't... <laughs> Uh all right, oh man <laughs> Phantoms is so bad though, yeah, I love the book so much, oh, really? and the movie just really ruined it, yeah. you know <laughs> it's just not as good. that's so funny, no, but like it's from the director of Halloween Six, which <laughs> is incoherent for a slasher sequel <laughs> right, um, just not great um yeah. the nineties late nineties were not a great time for Joe chappelle <laughs> yeah, anyway, no, um. No no, really, no. I guess not <laughs> to Dave. He's a white guy. Yeah. You mean to, to you? <laughs>
2: to to Dave? Dave
1: Chappelle. Are you? I mean, um, I don't remember your last name. Yeah, it's probably no. Chappelle. Oh, my Seems God. very fancy and French. You
2: are fired, sir. Okay. Go From, ahead. Give us this one. is free. So like whatever. <laughs>
1: um, I I was writing stuff down, and obviously a lot of newer stuff was mm-hmm. coming to my brain because I've seen more recently. Yeah. And I know haven't seen any of them, so I just want to kind of slam through a couple. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Richard Jenkins in Shape of Water. Right. We talked about that to death. Mm-hmm. But Red Sparrow. Okay. Sergio and I watched this mm-hmm. on our anniversary. I don't know why. It's very romantic. I guess. Jennifer Lawrence in
2: the movie that is pretty much the story of Black Widow from the Avengers. Yes. isn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Felt very much like somebody wrote the script for Black Widow and then Marvel was like, we're not going to do that movie. And they were like, uh, Red Sparrow sparrow yeah no <laughs> and also yeah it's an animal and a color <laughs> yeah they're like Meh.
1: sure um i actually don't know why she's red i guess it's because she's russian yeah. Ooh. yeah and there's blood or something mm-hmm. um so anyway red sparrow is a totally functional movie like it's okay just really average and unimpressive and right. it's like a spy thriller and it's just not as like that's better than it looked yeah like the
2: ads made it look like just like How is this a thing?
1: Yeah, it's not great. Yeah. Except for there is a character who Mm -hmm. comes into play for about 10 minutes total. Great. Like they've been talking about her at certain points. Mm -hmm. She's like someone who's on the hook with another one of the Russian spies for like some sort of trade deal or something. Mm -hmm. The plot never matters in these movies. Um, But that person is the chief of staff of an American senator and she's played by Mary Louise Parker from Weeds. Oh, okay. Um, first,
2: very effective in small doses. Do you not like her? Like, I liked her, and then weeds happened, and I was like, Oh,
1: okay, I see. Because I've never seen weeds, yeah. So, this might be the only thing I've seen her in, Mm -hmm. honestly, that I remember, yeah. And when Sergio pointed out who she was, for some reason, I thought she was Marsha Gay Harden, so, um. You know, three names, brunette, women, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Um. So, no, Mary Louise Parker, she plays this character as this really, like, crass drunk. Oh. Which was just an angle I was not expecting. Yeah. And it's this really, like, over-the-top performance that's really captivating because mm-hmm. it's really funny. And it's like, she, I want to watch the movie that she thinks she is in. Oh, yeah. Because it would have been a great film. Yeah. But, like, for those 10 minutes, I was having an awesome time Mm because she's just really out of control. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And I really, really liked her. Um,
2: I'm just thinking because she's one of those people that the first thing I saw her in, I was like, oh, my God, I love everything she's doing. Mm The first thing I saw her in was Angels in America. Oh, okay. And I was like, what a unique take on this character. And she's got such interesting, like, quirks to this character and so layered. And then Weeds came out and I was like, hmm. So I guess it's just what she does. She just talks like that with every like every character. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, it's not as quirky as I thought. It's just her like, acting. Her voice. The way she acts is, the way she plays any character is exactly the same. And Weeds was pretty good at the beginning. It's one of those shows that like, how do you keep it up? Yeah. And it just got too out of control for me. But it started good. And then I just got kind of tired. I, I think part of it had to do with how tired I was of the character that mm. made me tired of her shtick
1: yeah which is like we've talked about that before like the comedians they don't change but the shtick just gets old yeah and that's kind of sad but it's how it goes yes um but yeah no she was great in red sparrow Mm -hmm. i she injected a shot of energy into what was becoming a very slow kind of leaden movie Mm -hmm. at that point um but also uh jesse plemons in game night
2: I've heard my students were t- actually talking about that. So yeah. my drama students were like, "This this guy is so weird in this movie." And I was like, "Hmm, I wonder who it." And I looked it up and i was like, "Oh, he's good and everything." Yeah, no, he's awesome. He's so yeah. good. He's right now he's like the the actor's actor that's out there. Like he's just at some point he'll start to get some recognition, but
1: Yeah, and um who else? I Oh, uh, uh, Taika Waititi in Thor Ragnarok as mm-hmm. the Rockman. Yep. Uh Jack
2: was asking what we were going to be doing this about and I said uh, like supporting Garrett. And he's like, what do you mean? And I was like, remember how into the rock guy I was in in Thor Ragnarok? Yes. That's the
1: one. That's the guy. Yeah. Uh, he actually did say that. It has been corroborated. Okay. Exhibit A. (laughs) 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 Um, yeah. Uh, I don't remember his name, but the rock man was great. And he was really funny. He
2: had one of those names that you're, it's like
1: Gargamel. Yeah. Blark. Flark. Blimbo. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so what else do you have? um, Here's a couple
2: from TV, which are related. So Ross
1: and Rachel. No. They're a couple. Nope.
2: Kelsey Grammer.
1: In Frasier. On Cheers, because
2: he was just, he had like, he was just supposed to come in and be there for a little while, Uh and then his character kind of took on this life of its own, and then he became, you know, there's no reason for that character to be a patron of that bar. Yeah. And to be there every day like all the other guys, you know, the mailman and the painter like Uh uh-huh like he's like this important psychologist or psychiatrist and like why is he hanging out in this bar all the time um but his character was just so great that uh he just stuck around and um
1: is cheers set in seattle no it's in boston okay but then i guess he moves yes that's the okay at the
2: end of yes that's how Frazier starts is it's him moving to seattle to be oh okay a, a radio psychiatrist and and he reconnects with his brother and his dad, who uh-huh. he has been estranged from. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And, um, and like his dad that he never got along with. Anyway, uh, and then David Hyde Pierce from Frasier, uh-huh. which they brought in to be kind of the f- the Frasier role, um, in uh, in 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 it like the supporting whatever. And then he was so great, he ended up like taking over the show. Because okay. he was so brilliant as this small—I mean, he's really minor in the first few episodes, okay. and that happens a lot with TV. Like, yeah, I was someone that's say really small in the first—you know, like the pilot and stuff—and they're just there to be like a foil or an antagonist, and then all of a sudden the audience is like, "Yeah, but bring him back out." And David Hyde Pierce as Niles Crane is electric. He's so great, um, and like you know, it, the character changes a lot throughout the like ten oh, yeah, years of, course. of the series, but oh, my God, he's so good. And especially in those first, like, at the beginning, he's, like, a little bit, he's not likable at all. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, like, he's hes not a good brother, and he's, you know, competing with Frazier but, like, in all the wrong ways. But then they start writing his character differently because it's, like, we got it. This has got to grow. This yeah. guy is so great. So that, that was one of those things where both of those guys were, you know, Kelsey Grammer was supposed to be, like, not... He wasn't supposed to come back. He's just there as, like, a thing with Diane, basically. Oh, okay. But then
1: people liked him so much. Yes,
2: and he was so funny, and it was so great to have that really refined character placed in this Boston pub, you know, and and they could... You know, and it kind of... When Diane's character left the show, it helped kind of replace that because that was the beginning of the show as Diane shows up. She's this, like career student she has every degree known to man oh okay but she has no skills because she just keeps getting like degrees in poetry and philosophy and things you can't use so then she's a
1: waitress at a bar okay that makes sense i've literally never seen an episode of either of those shows which is that's on me yeah um you should do your research no i will um no but that is the interesting thing about tv as a medium Mm -hmm. is that it is can be organic like that because it is created like i mean there's like a um, a backpedal of like five weeks, mm-hmm. like where, when the first episode comes, the fifth episode's already been made or like whatever, right. something like yeah. that. But it can be reactive mm-hmm. to the audience. Oh yeah, and to like the like the way that it's received. Yeah, which is something that you can't do in a movie. No, because a movie's made insular, and then it's shoved out into the world sometimes there's the like wow these dailies are really great
2: yeah i was just listening to a thing about you know they were talking about the oscar oscar isaac character in star wars and oh yeah, how, yeah like he disappears for most of the movie and then they're like let's bring him back and it was i guess it was dailies made that happen or something like wow he's really magnetic as this character let's try to find more for him to do um but yeah that's pretty rare
1: Yeah, but, but like, with TV, because it's being made on such a, like, so concurrently with the Mm -hmm. season airing, that they can adjust for things like that, Mm -hmm. which is really cool.
2: Yeah, and, like, David Hyde Pierce's character, I mean, he really is, like, very background. It's it's Frasier and Frasier's dad and uh Frasier at work, and then his brother is, like, on the periphery, and he's more there to be, like, oh. I mean, basically, he's an established psychiatrist as well. Oh, okay. So he's mocking Fraser for being a radio psychologist. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And he's kind of like a jerk, and you don't really, you know, and like he comes into the scene, and you're like, ugh, what a a jerk. And then eventually within like the first season, it's all of a sudden a lot more, you know, he makes one kind of short appearance or two in the pilot, but like within a few weeks, it's like, oh, we've got something.
1: yeah, yeah. I've actually, I have one of the ones on my list that's very similar to that. Okay. Um, it's Jane Lynch on Glee. Yes. Because, I mean, obviously they, well, that show went off the rails oh. pretty fast. Yes. But that show, by the final season, it was just her yeah. leading the show, essentially. Yeah. Um, which I disagree with as a approach, but she was so like magnetic and electric in the first couple episodes mm-hmm. and in the first season, people were like, we need her to do everything.
2: Right. And well, and that's, um, that show is such a great example of like when giving the audience more of what they want goes wrong.
1: Oh yeah, it's not always a great idea. Yeah,
2: like they, I mean, really that, and you know, Frasier. By the end, they got really uh, got a little too into like Niles' stuff. Mm-hmm. Same with like How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, well, Everybody uh, loves uh, Barney, so let's give him Barney these.
1: Any long running show will do yeah. that. I um, mean, it, it's that's a principle I noticed in Friends. Mm -hmm. Where, like, the quirks of any character become, like, they start off as molehills, and by season 10, they are mountains. Yeah. And that's just how TV Mm -hmm. works, because there's diminishing returns. They have to make it bigger and bigger.
2: Or sometimes those quirks just go away completely. That, too. Like, Phoebe. (laughs) Phoebe, at the beginning of Friends, is a much different person than who she is at the end.
1: That is true. Because they realize, oh, we can't sustain ten a decade off of this one. Yeah, she's she's floopy. Yeah, she's
2: she's flighty, and she like believes in aura and stuff like that. And like, she didn't do any of that stuff by the end. She was just kind of, she got,
1: she got really kinky by the end. Yeah, yeah, which I was into, but like very yeah. different. Yeah. Um, but also speaking of friends, yeah. Janice on Friends. Yes, she came back. Every season, at least once a season, because she was so compelling as this, like, terrible foil girlfriend Mm. for Chandler.
2: And then what's funny is, like, yeah, that's another one where you watch the arc, she starts as, like, she's so obnoxious, and it's so funny how terrible she is, but then by the end, she's very sympathetic, and, like, has her act together way more than Chandler.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs)
2: After a while, where she's, like, he, like, tries to go back to her, and she's married or something. That it, yeah,
1: a, and then she's having a baby the same time that Rachel has a baby.
2: Yeah, something like and, that.
1: Um, yeah, no, it's... She's just so good. Yes. I actually, for three seconds of my life, I was in the same room as Maggie Wheeler, and uh-huh. it was pretty incredible. Okay. That is her voice. Yeah? <laughs> um, Mostly. Wow. Although, she plays it up, but, like, yeah. it's there. Okay. Um, She's so good.
2: Yeah, she's really good.
1: Anyway... uh, That's
2: a great example of somebody on a TV show really taking over i'm sure that was like a one or two episode arc oh for sure
1: yeah and she like she got a medium-sized arc in like season two because chandler actually starts long-term dating her for a while (laughs) um and there's a the episode that i think it's the uh, like a prequel episode about how they all met Oh, yeah. Um, and that whole thing is set up by Janice because she's like asked them the question of, like, how did you all meet? Because she's yeah. just like hanging out with them in Central Park because that's how she was for a minute. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's pretty great. Mm-hmm. What else do you have?
2: Um, so we were talking about the, like, I mean, I guess recency bias or whatever, thinking about things that happened recently. Uh huh. And I went back to a movie from the mid 90s.
1: Very recent, yeah.
2: Yeah, no. I mean, I like. I'm trying to go back farther now. Oh, okay. It took me a while to get there.
1: Actually, the the no, that is. I went back to some movies
2: in the 80s too. How was it, Glinting? It's fine. Don't worry. Okay. (laughs) But yes. Um. So I went back to this one, and this is like the quintessential example of someone that like has a very small role, and then they come on screen, they change the whole feeling of a movie. Okay. And anytime they're not on screen after that, you're like, where are they? I want to see them again. It's um, it's a movie called Devil in a Blue Dress. Okay, I've heard of it. It's a Denzel Washington Private Eye kind of movie. Sure. And I think it was meant to be the start of a series because it's based on a series of novels, and it's like a series of movies I would absolutely watch. Such a it's so right. It's just a you know L.A. detective, Mm -hmm. but he's you know he's a black detective rather than a white guy running around L.A. It's a black guy, so there's Uh a different element. And Don Cheadle comes in as like his cousin or I can't remember. It's, it's, it's been a long time since I saw the movie, but he plays mouse. His name is mouse. Okay. And the moment that Don Cheadle comes on screen, this is before Don Cheadle is Don Cheadle. He's not anywhere near oceans 11 at this point. Yeah. He comes on screen and you are like, who is this guy? And when can I see him again? And it, he just dominated. And this is a movie with Denzel. You know? Yeah.
1: Who's especially at that time. Yeah. Like one of the most charismatic people around.
2: Absolutely. And he just, and part of it is it's a very slow paced movie because you know how detective movies are where it's like a guy walking and then talking to somebody yeah, and then driving and then talking to somebody else. But this is Don Cheadle just comes in and he's got this like, I don't know, there's humor and he's dangerous and there's all this stuff. And it's like, whoa, what a, it's just such a great performance. I recommend it to anyone that wants to see like just a somebody but it's it's a pretty good movie too i didn't mind it um anyway but that that's one that stood out to me when i was it was like when that popped in my brain i was like oh this is exactly the kind of thing i was trying to remember okay good i'm glad we
1: were getting kind of we we don't super prep real hard
2: yeah but when we do something like this like you texted me hey should we do this idea and i was like oh god I'm gonna leave so many out. That's all I started thinking. Uh huh. So I'm glad I remembered that one. I was like, oh, this is a perfect example of somebody that does that. Anyway, there's that.
1: I think I'd like to answer that with a very similar movie from mm-hmm. the 90s called My Best Friend's Wedding.
2: Oh, yeah. I know who you're talking about, I think.
1: Uh, Rupert Everett? Mm-hmm. Who he plays Julia Roberts' gay best friend. Yes. And does so much more than that role requires. Yes. And also he instigates a Dionne Warwick sing-along at a seafood restaurant. Mm-hmm. So good. <laughs> yes. But also I do want to mention Cameron Diaz in that movie. Mm-hmm. Really good. Yeah. Like I've never loved her, mm-hmm. but she has a karaoke scene. Yeah. in My best friend's wedding that when I watched it, I was like, get her an Oscar for this. <laughs> it's really cause go it's go ahead. She's failing at karaoke, mm-hmm. but like through sheer charisma she gets the audience to kind of be on her side. Oh. And yeah. it's just like a really uh empathetic scene. I really loved her. Yeah, cuz that I mean that
2: I I know that scene and that scene its purpose in the plot is to like kind of make you realize Julia Roberts' character isn't doing the right thing.
1: Oh yeah, she's a villain. She's Oh.
2: And the and I I don't I actually don't even know if they intended that because that movie when you watch it if you watch it from the wrong perspective you're like I hate everything that this main character is doing. Uh-huh. And which is why sometimes I think kind of the romantic comedies have fallen off because so often especially women in romantic comedies ended up doing these awful things to try to win over a man. Yeah. Um that when you started once people started noticing that it was like oh, it's becoming harder and harder to write these Um, But that one, uh, that scene, I feel like she's so raw and so actually just herself and like I can't sing and here I am singing in front of all these people that I get like, I get really uncomfortable watching it.
1: Oh yeah, no, but I think it's, like that rawness is yeah. a beautiful thing, and yeah. she does a really good job in that. Yeah, scene. I don't know
2: if there's even she's doing a good job. I feel like that's just what it's like when she tries to sing in
1: public. No, <laughs> like, I uh, whatever. Yeah. But um, I thought she was great. But also Rupert Everett is was the reason yes. I wrote it down because he's mm-hmm. awesome.
2: Yeah, and he had a career for ten minutes and then Madonna killed it.
1: Were they what how they made a movie together? Oh
2: okay. like he was the next big thing cover of vanity fair or whatever that type of thing honestly i didn't know that and oh yeah no he was a big deal for right after that movie it was Uh like this guy's a star and then the next thing he did was a movie with madonna where he played her gay best friend oh except they had a baby together or something dumb like that
1: i have seen a movie like that and it was called gaby yeah it was not madonna though
2: Yeah, this was not good.
1: Oh, no, okay. I feel
2: like that's the movie where she decided to cover American Pie.
1: Oh, no. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, that's not gonna do it for you. There's a reason,
2: but his career completely vanished after that. that. I was like, and he's so good. I mean, he also made, like, what, Inspector Gadget and stuff like that. Was he Inspector Gadget? Yeah, he was the bad guy.
1: Oh. Made some really bad career
2: choices and his career went well. But God was he good in that movie.
1: Yeah. No, super good. Mm-hmm. Um you brought up something that I totally forgot. Mm-hmm. So
2: I guess we can move on. Um, okay.
1: Um
2: uh <laughs> I just wanted to mention Rick Moranis and Ghostbusters because we did oh, a yeah. whole episode about Ghostbusters on your other podcast. And Rick Moranis was the thing that we came away from. Like, whoa, yes, he's really he's so
1: good. He steals
2: that movie. Um, and he it I mean I was like, he stole other movies, didn't he? And I was like, no, he's the lead in
1: most of his movies. Yeah,
2: But that I felt like that's like, that made him take a jump because he wasn't doing stuff before that.
1: And um, he has a really big presence in Ghostbusters too. also. Yeah. Like because of that. And it, yeah. it's not great. No. But um, <laughs> because there's no reason for him to be there. No. But like they needed to have him back because he was awesome. Mm-hmm um so yeah i feel that rickman yeah. I, I love him he's always great
2: yes um anyway that wasn't one that i really want so going back even farther than 84 uh well not farther than 84 <laughs> but farther than mid-90s is the um okay so his name is thomas wilson okay and he plays biff tannen oh okay in the back to the future series and to me is what makes those movies work in a lot of ways
1: I'd need to rewatch them in order mm-hmm. to like really agree with you, but I remember I remember Biff. He's one of the like few yeah. things I remember really strongly from that franchise.
2: It's an example of someone that like there's no other work to compare. I mean, his he, like, he was
1: pretty good in the 1986 slasher movie April Fools' Day. Right. <laughs> but his it's not like, oh, they
2: they cast this guy that like looks exact you know like if you see his headshot on imdb it's unrecognizable like he's not yeah he's got like floppy blonde hair okay i'm looking this up right now he's fairly like pudgy now but as biff he was like this menacing like so scary in his own way but then such a doofus like i mean he looks much more now like uh old like the way Biff looks when he's old in the movies.
1: Yeah. Uh, like alternate 1985
2: yeah, Biff. Yeah. Where he's kind of like, I don't know. But it just, and the part that I was mentioning that I really loved is when in the third one, when he plays his own like great, great, great grandfather or whatever.
1: I forgot that happened.
2: Yeah. The third one, I know that people don't like it, but I actually really like the third one, and I love his part of it. <laughs> he's and- so funny in that part, and he's again unrecognizable. I had no idea. I know when I, I was kind of a kid when I watched it, but like, mm. he's he, he's. It's not like he's like, oh, I'm just playing Biff in a cowboy hat. He has a whole other character that he goes into. Okay, and if you think about the different versions that of that same character that he plays, all of them are so fun.
1: Yeah, and they're also different too. Yeah, like he like, really had that has a lot of range to explore in yeah. that franchise.
2: So he gets to be young, dumb, angry, like jockey Biff, and then the older one at the beginning, you know, like where he's still kind of a jerk. But uh-huh. then the one where he has to, where he's all afraid at the end. You know, like he gets to do a lot. It's, it's. I, I don't know. It's. I think it's a great performance, but it's like. It's not. I don't know that it's one that stole the movie. Is more one that I feel like people don't appreciate enough because, like, I feel like he created this iconic character, and you know he has. He's a stand-up comedian type, uh-huh. and part of his act is he wrote a song that's just answering all of the frequently asked questions. Oh my god! That people, so it's like, it, it's 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 very good. I recommend you can probably find it. It's a it's that a very awesome. funny listen. You know, like what's Michael J. Fox like? he was nice you know it's like it's a lot of stuff like that um it but it's like because his whole career got defined by this role
1: yeah no i mean that i think on this list there're quite a few of those yeah
2: yeah so anyway that's as, i think that's as far back as i went okay
1: um i'm going to just keep on matching you i also have one from the 80s okay and it's zelda rubenstein in poltergeist okay the old lady yeah yeah okay. cuz she's like the Person who became the Poltergeist franchise. Mm-hmm. She's a person other than Heather O'Rourke who comes back for all of them, mm-hmm. and like she's the immediate person that you think of when I've you're thinking of that franchise. Really,
2: I was very young when it came out. Okay, so I didn't see it,
1: and then I just never went. I've seen parts of it, and I okay. Like, I don't wanna. <laughs> okay, well she's great. Yeah. Um, and just really eerie and strange, and she's mm-hmm. just one of those people that brings a just a really weird energy. Yeah. And it totally changes the movie.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I guess we can move on. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right.
2: Um, I just feel like we're not going to have a lot that overlap.
1: No, I mean, there's so many to pull from. Yeah.
2: Um, I'll say, uh, well, I have a couple that are like, oh, this is what made them a thing. Okay. Because like Matt Damon in Courage Under Fire, which okay. is probably another mid-90s movie. Um it's another Denzel Washington movie. He was pretty busy in the 90s. Yeah, he was. Every year he released a a pretty good movie and then he they stopped being good. Um You mean
1: you didn't catch Roman J Israel Esquire? I didn't. I heard it was
2: fine. It's But like from that. who? Like
1: yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, just it's I think it's a movie that was like you could see the formula from the outside. You're like, "Man, I need to i know what's gonna happen he's gonna be quirky and still gonna work uh but matt damon in courage under fire um he he i almost can't even talk about the performance because he changes so much within the movie okay what's going on with the character but it's one where he he lost a ton of weight but he's like i i know that it was like when he hit it big which was a couple maybe a year or two later it was uh-huh. like oh that guy oh yeah and he was and he's really nasty in school ties he plays kind oh. of a bad guy in school ties and he's really
1: i have seen that one yeah
2: he's the villain
1: <laughs> i don't remember that yeah but well cool. he's the
2: guy that is like get out of here we don't want you yeah um and so he had some really interesting like little background roles when he started his career and then they were like, No, you're a leading man. And and I just feel like it's so when I think about like, you know, Matt Damon, the celebrity versus Matt Damon, the artist, I think back to the stuff that he did, like when he wasn't famous. Okay. Like he had he did some good stuff there. That's one of them. Um
1: so that's a good one. Okay, cool. Yep. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Um I'm gonna bring up one that obviously did not create a star. But reignited one, mm-hmm. and that's Betty White in the proposal.
2: Oh right, I remember she became a big deal after that movie.
1: Yeah, like she—it's—we're kind of still in a Betty White essence, but mm-hmm. not quite as much. Yeah, like because she? I mean, right after this, she got that like Hot in Cleveland show, yeah. and like that one movie. Oh, you again, or whatever, with yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis. I think I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not saying the stuff she made after was good, but she, no. Betty White, is still like a thing, a person that people talk about online. Yeah. And she's like out promoting the, um, what the hell? Deadpool. Oh, (laughs) like they had her doing like Deadpool commercials and stuff because she's friends with Ryan Reynolds because of the proposal. Yes. And no, go ahead. No. Okay. I just, I was like, Oh, was that?
2: No, it was a thing from the proposal that I saw. Okay. It was like old jokey, like Ryan Reynolds. They did like a, behind the scenes. Oh, okay. A little short, funny, almost like a sketch where it was like Betty White is really mean to Ryan Lewis Oh, that sounds awesome. And nobody else sees it. And he's like, is she so mean. <laughs> and then like Sandra Bullock comes up and is like, what's wrong with you? Why?" Are you? And he's like, no, you missed it. She was really mean. It's, <laughs> it's very funny.
1: Okay, I have to see that. Yep. I have to get the proposal Blu-ray. Yeah. So I can see it in the highest quality possible.
2: I'm, I'm sure I watched it on Hulu or something. Or youtube i didn't watch uh, it on no, no, no. i have never seen the proposal so
1: it's fine yeah it's it's cute it's one of the better modern romantic comedies yes um uh, but betty white's great in it and mm-hmm. it reminded everyone that she's great <laughs> yeah um all right i think my list is starting to wind down mm-hmm. do you have any other like big ones you want to throw out um i wanted to mention uh yes
2: so <laughs> philip seymour hoffman Okay. made a career out of being exactly what we're talking about uh-huh. like the guy in the movie that has a small part and he's all you end up talking about um boogie nights okay i mean he's not all you end up talking about that movie is such an ensemble that there's a lot of people kind of stealing moments but his he has some crazy just amazing stuff and when he works with paul thomas anderson uh-huh. he, he, some some good stuff happens but um He's great in The Talented Mr. Ripley, if you've ever seen that. No. No? Okay.
1: That's one that I know a lot about, though, Mm -hmm. and I will see. It's high on my to-do list. He has a
2: great, just one of my favorite line readings of all time. He's like, Tommy, how's the peepin'? (laughs) Tommy, how's the peepin'? Like, he says it into his glass of whatever drink. Like, just this, oh, God, he has some great stuff like that, and then- Along Came Polly, which I've talked about before, uh-huh. kind of a you know it's a romantic comedy, yeah, it's gross out humor and blah blah blah, and it's a movie I kind of it's a it's a um
1: wasn't it Ben Affleck and a no so, Ben whoa. Stiller whoa yeah Ben
2: Stiller Ben and, Stiller and Jennifer Aniston yeah and like it's one of those like uh I don't know I'm embarrassed to admit how much I think it's funny no but mostly his part his parts are really funny. And he just, I think he invented in this movie is the first time I heard the word chart. So, <laughs> and it's his character, and he's just he's a he was like a a, a big kid, like he was a, a child TV star.
1: The character, or Phil the King character, House? okay, the
2: character, and so he's kind of trying to live on that, and oh and, yeah, and he's just a mess, but he's so funny, and he just has some amazing. Like he does some really broad physical comedy that you would never expect out of Philip Seymour. You know, Philip Seymour Hoffman and whoever is like, ooh, so respected. Yeah. And I, in this movie, he's just Oh, it's great. So and it's and it really it it's one of those characters where you're like, okay, bring him back because everybody
1: else is kind of boring. Uh, that sounds great. I actually want to watch it now. I, yeah. I've never I don't really know anything about that movie, so I yeah. just didn't
2: like you know, the it was the one where like in the trailer you see that Ben Stiller has problems with the toilet.
1: Oh yeah! yeah, yeah. And
2: I, any movie where there's problems with the toilet, I'm like, please don't. I hate this. It's like my worst nightmare in life, is like going to the bathroom in a strange place and there's problems with the toilet. And mm. I'm never like, this is funny. I'm like, why? Why would this? This be is a just shooting? a horror movie. Yeah. Why? Why would you put this in my head? Um, but it's it's, I, it's worth it just to watch him. You could probably just watch his scenes.
1: <laughs> okay. I'm into that. Yeah.
2: yeah. Anyway. Uh,
1: There's some
2: more obvious ones. Uh-huh. Like but, Oh, just like, I realized a lot of them are like, oh, well, you know, anybody would say this, like, Kevin Kline in A Fish Called Wanda. Mm-hmm. It's a really great performance. He yeah. won an Oscar for it, so
1: duh. It's pretty, yeah, it's... uh duh.
2: Um, Chris Evans in Scott Pilgrim.
1: He is very good in Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. A actually, a very brief part. I had Scott Pilgrim on my list, but I was thinking, like, there's so many characters in Scott Pilgrim that nibble at the spotlight. Yeah. Like, um, Aubrey Plaza. Yes. Um, Kieran Culkin as his roommate. Yeah. Um, You're right.
2: That's one where there's so many minor characters that get to do fun stuff that it it doesn't feel like, oh, he stole that movie.
1: Yeah. Or even, like, Brandon Routh is the vegan guy. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, no, Chris Evans was super good. And that's a role that, like, you don't see him playing a lot because he's such a... It's like that Ben Affleck thing. It was like he's such a terrible person and he's yeah. so like aggro and masculine. And, like, rah, yeah. rah. and
2: w- in that one, there's a little bit of a, you feel like there's a wink. Like you know that where like when I watched Ben Affleck play that character, I uh-huh. was like, I hate that guy. And then years later, someone was like, remember Ben Affleck in Dazed and Confused? And you're like, no. <laughs> it's like, yeah, go back and watch it. That's him. Same with McConaughey in Dazed and Confused. It's like you have when you see McConaughey in like a time to kill, you're not like, Oh, the guy from days. Like, yeah, there's no part of you that recognizes it. Um, where Chris Evans, you're like, Oh, it's uh that guy from all these movies. Look at him. He's like, he's almost like, I always feel like he's like winking at his, he's playing off his type. Yeah. Like what you would expect someone that looked like him to be like. Yeah. Which I like.
1: That whole movie is great.
2: Yeah. It's such a good movie. I need to watch it again.
1: Uh, what else do I have? I have one that you just wouldn't know, so I don't. Doesn't okay. doesn't matter. Um, have you seen Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion*? Yeah. Okay, I don't think anyone could steal that movie from Lisa Kudrow and Mira Sorvino, but Janine Garofalo does a good job of yeah. trying. Yeah,
2: she's really great, and Alan Cumming is great in that okay. too.
1: It's just that's a that's a great ensemble movie. Yeah, it, well, it's not even fair, but yeah. uh, I
2: think Alan, I think the two of them are both of them. I feel like they steal the movie in a way.
1: Well, I don't know. Cause I love Lisa Kudrow. Yeah. And also Mira Sorvino is doing such a weird thing oh my God. in that movie.
2: It's like, it's definitely a performance that it, like, it's so much better when you think of the other things that she's done. Like it's so different than any other. Character yeah. She created, it's such a brilliant thing. And like, yeah, it probably didn't play to a lot of like mainstream audiences. Like they didn't get it. Cause it's, out there it's a choice it's a,
1: yeah it's a strong choice yeah which is why i'm saying it, you cannot steal from that choice yeah. entirely but like they both do a very good job
2: but that's one of those movies that suffers from like it's very funny it's almost like a series of sketches yeah where the plot so the first time you see it you're like oh i uh, you know like yeah it, it's a whatever. very it's
1: low key yeah it's very, it's very relaxed uh
2: yeah and like it doesn't you know when at the end you're not like oh i feel this way you're just like okay it ended like and then it's one that like you're hanging out with your friends and they start quoting it and you're like oh that's so funny what is that again They're like Romy and michelle again and you're like oh i need to watch that movie it's again such a good movie that happens I to love me it. a lot where there's something that the first time i watch it because you're watching for the plot uh-huh. like the comedy kind of goes by you and you're like oh that was funny but what's gonna happen next and then you're like, "Oh, that was it." <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, like the yeah, you're right. The plot is not incredibly satisfying, especially because there is like a 20 minute dream sequence in the middle of that movie. It, yeah, that which it, is hilarious the second time you watch it. Yeah,
2: but the first time you're like, "What's happening? Why?" It's what? So, and, uh,
1: honestly, such a weird movie yeah. in general. Yeah. But it's so good. <laughs> like, yeah,
2: the idea. Like, that's the thing about us comedies. A lot of the time is the idea is funny. If you just say it uh-huh. or if you're experienced, but when you're like watching the movie for the plot and the, and the characters are like, I know we'll go to our high school reunion, but we'll lie about everything. And you're like, no, don't do that. That's really dumb. This is not going to work out for you. <laughs> Why are you doing this? And like, and you're not really paying attention to how stupid the lie is. Yeah. And how brilliantly stupid it is that they're like, we'll say we invented post-its. And it's like, no, don't do that. That's a really famous thing to say. You know- No, no, no. no. <laughs> like, Those things, like, but when you watch it a second time and you know, like, okay, well, I don't need to worry if it's going to work or not. Now I can just listen to the words and the ideas and you're like, oh, my God, this is brilliant.
1: Yeah, and there are so many little moments that don't service the plot. Yeah. And that seems like something that you especially get very invested in. Yeah. Like, as I've learned over the course of this uh, podcast day. But, yeah, no, like... Literally a moment I totally forgot about until just now. Mm-hmm. Like uh Mira Sorvino's dancing at a bar and a guy's trying to flirt with her and she's like, I have to go. I cut my foot before and my shoes filling up with blood. <laughs> <laughs> and she just limps away. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just such a small thing. It has nothing yeah. to do with anything. And yeah. that's so good. It's
2: really funny. Uh the other what's the movie that I'm trying to think of? Um <laughs> Uh, The one where Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson play male models and it's... Zoolander? Z- yeah, Zoolander. I watched that movie the first time and I did not laugh once. <laughs> I watched that entire movie and I was like, that was so bad. And I rented it. like, It was rented. I was watching it. It wasn't like I was in the theater and I was like, oh, I'm so bitter. I just uh-huh. was like, hmm, because I was paying attention to the plot and the plot's really stupid. Who would believe that plot, <laughs> right? And then that same, I want to say that same summer, I was working at a kid's camp and there was a girl and she just kept quoting it. And every time I'd be like, what, what is that? That's so funny. It sounds real. And she'd be like Zoolander. And I was like, again, it's <laughs> like, why are there so many funny? So then I had to revisit it and I was like, oh yeah, it's really funny, but it's a series of sketches, you know? Yeah. Like each scene itself is kind of funny, but like if you're watching it for continuity and a through, you're like, why am I watching this? This is so dumb. And that happens, especially with dumb, you know, the dumb comedies that are actually really smart. Yeah. The first time you watch it, you're like, this is really dumb. And the second time you're like, oh my God, this is brilliant.
1: Yeah. Like once you have a chance to separate yourself and think about it and you know what, you know what's happening so you can watch how they do it.
2: Exactly. And you can, and like I said, you can pay it, you can appreciate how dumb the ideas are rather than be like, that's such a dumb idea. Why would they, I don't believe this anymore. You know, you're like, oh, dud's dumb on purpose.
1: (laughs) I think, yeah, I think that's more of a pitfall for you than me because sometimes, um, never mind. Um. Did you have <laughs> any other ones before we move on to like the second part of this, like the more no. negative part, maybe? Because no. you brought this up. Yeah, I don't that... have a lot of these. No, in I, I have
2: like one big okay, one. Okay, good. All right. So, uh, yeah, I was talking about. There's sometimes where you go to see a movie and or you see a movie and everybody's like, "Oh, that person totally stole it," and you're like, "I don't like them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't like it, and I kind of didn't like. You know, this character gets quoted all the time. And you're like, it's not funny. Like, why do you guys think it's so funny? So that was my idea. Uh-huh. And it's it's really one in particular, but...
1: I want to hear yours. Because you were worried we would have the same one. I, and I, I really don't think no. we do.
2: Um, So I love Will Ferrell. Okay. But him oh. in Wedding Crashers, oh, I think yeah. is one of the... D- I don't like it. I, I get that it's kind of serving the plot, but I... It's almost like in a movie where he's in it. It's that thing. He's in a different movie. Yeah. He's doing a different thing where it's like, look how funny it is that the guy, that these two pretty good looking Hollywood actors, you know, like Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn, who are convincing as guys that could woo women at a wedding. Yeah. Are looking up to this guy as like a God and it's Will Ferrell. And yeah. the whole time you're like, what? And then everything, you know, the ma, the meatloaf. I just,
1: it's, like it's not
2: it feels like to me when I watch it I'm just like oh I see he's like he's this is a bit he's trying and it's not working and someone should have said like it's not playing let's find something else and I just I just when he comes on screen I'm like can we get away from this like that's how I feel in that movie and I also didn't really love that actually no. I loved Isla Fisher in that movie
1: I forgot she was in that she was yes I thought yeah. she
2: kind of stole that movie um and she doesn't she gets a little more time than she
1: probably needs to but no that movie gives too much time to everything yes that that movie is a at least 35 minutes too long yes and i think that's why i don't like the will ferrell part is
2: because it's towards the end and you're like yeah and you're like what are we doing why did we go to this place yeah this is terrible
1: no, the, the thing about Wedding Crashers is the plot ends and then they skip like three months and then they just keep going. Yep. And you're like, wait, why
2: why is this happening? Yeah, it's a very, it's a, yeah. I wasn't so much a fan of that movie. Yeah.
1: <laughs> anyway, my thing I think is going to be very controversial. Oh, good. Maybe even more controversial. I don't like Robert Shaw in Jaws. <laughs> Uh, okay because i think he's just playing a cartoon character yep and he's just inserted into the middle of this very tight like blockbuster horror film Mm -hmm. and i do like the part where he's scratching the Mm -hmm. chalkboard but then everything he says it's like a tom hardy and the revenant a little bit like it's like you're just laying this on really thick Mm -hmm. and it's too much for me well
2: and a little bit of it is he's one of those guys that for some reason we do this with like British actors where we're like, he's a legendary drunk.
1: Isn't it charming? He was drunk for the entire filming of this. I'm not, am I supposed to be impressed by that? Yeah. Like Like, he's living his own life and doing a thing that he wants. And I guess that's impressive to some people, but like,
2: and, and it's another case where it's like, I don't even know if he's playing a character. No, he's just kind of like through. And I, I, I totally like I'm charmed by it in some ways, but at the same time, I'm totally like, oh yeah, they could, another actor could have been there, but it's like, oh, he's so legendary. And it's like, I mean, I think he's legendary because you knew him from other movies and he is in this movie. And it's like, what's he doing in this movie?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I I just, not a huge fan. Yeah. Um, there's some,
2: I, I enjoy the dynamic between him and Richard Dreyfus. Okay. I enjoy that because of the like, you know, like almost, I mean, it, uh, there's like some meta stuff there, but also like, you know, he's like, I just go out and I, I shoot things into sharks and then, you know, I catch it. And Richard Dreyfuss has all this fancy technology and I enjoy that dynamic of the, character and i feel like there's an element of it with the actors behind the scenes because i feel like richard dreyfuss probably was a lot more serious and yeah he was a lot more like i don't even know my lines really <laughs> give me some more booze so i i don't know no but i think yeah. they famously like didn't get along in real life that's right? great
1: i don't, I don't know I, I um i
2: seem to remember anyway but yes yeah i totally feel you on okay that.
1: cool Cause and I'm not advocating that the movie just be Richard Dreyfuss and Roy Scheider because that would be really no. boring, but Robert Shaw just does. He's a puzzle piece that does not fit for me. It's too big mm-hmm. for the slot that he's trying to fill. Yeah, I
2: mean, you need someone in there to, you need that character there.
1: Yeah, like you need the earthier, mm-hmm. uh, like capable character but he's just he takes it way too far and he's it's
2: another example of he's in a different movie
1: and it's not working for you no honestly like like sometimes that's a good thing like Mm -hmm. with the mary louise parker thing Mm -hmm. it was like i'd rather be watching that movie yes but with this one it's like this is not the movie i'm watching which i am enjoying
2: well yeah and yeah there's the the comparing scars scenes which is just a little bit like can we Remember, there's the shark. Yeah. Remember that whole shark thing that's hanging out there. Can we just get to the part where it starts banging into the boat again?
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> such a good it's whatever. Yeah. Um, anyway, we should do our trust fall things.
2: Hmm. Yes, we should.
1: Okay. Uh, oh, you have notes. I was like, oh, you seem kind of nervous. I was like, I uh, just,
2: I, I forgot to pick exactly what I'm going to recommend for you.
1: Oh, okay. So I'll vamp a little bit. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, well, I, what I will mention is that before the show, because. If you recall from last episode, um, mm-hmm. I requested that Dave read a four-page short story by Catherine Mansfield mm-hmm. called Miss Brill. Yes. And within the thing that you were saying about how you get too caught up in the plot that you don't notice like what's going into it or whatever, right. um, Dave mentioned to me that he did read a synopsis of the plot before actually diving into the short story. Yes. And I was like, it's a four-page <laughs> short story. Right. Uh, and... and-
2: i'm gonna say like part of it is because i'm an english teacher uh-huh if i read something with my english teacher brain i start to get, i'm just like well, i'm trying to take in everything yeah like, i'm trying to notice every word and i'm like oh, i'm not even so i needed i need something to just be like hey this is quickly what it's about so that you just aren't like off i i, I, like, I guess it, it feels like mentally i go off on tangents while i'm reading and i'm like wait i don't even know what the plot of this is so uh-huh. i just need like no that's fair and it wasn't like a detailed synopsis it was like i don't think there could lady. be yeah it was like this lady goes and this is what happens And i'm like oh, okay now uh-huh. I know what i'm looking for so All anyway right. but yes you're right i do get i want to follow the plot i need i mean basically for me to really appreciate this i would have needed to read it three times
1: okay which is if doable it's short
2: right i would have had to read it once and then read it again to make sure i understood it completely uh-huh. and i could have analyzed it
1: but by reading the synopsis it cut down the first okay. reading that helps yeah um, I guess I'll give a synopsis really quick, actually. Yeah. Um, spoiler alert, I guess. I don't know. So um, you might get banned from the internet for this one <laughs> it's not Black Panther <laughs> um, basically I don't know it, It's a, I think it's a short story that's surprisingly downbeat for Ooh, something yeah. that I recommend Ooh, Was it a bummer um, it's about an older lady uh-huh. um, who basically she dresses up and goes out to the park on Sunday
2: can you mention what she does for a living
1: I don't remember what does she do she's she an teacher? English teacher oh yeah she's an English teacher I um, felt targeted I'm so sorry. I honestly (laughs) forgot that part. Yep. Um, But she puts on this like fancy fur Mm -hmm. and she's just dressed to the nines. She's sitting on this bench in this Mm -hmm. public park. In Is it in
2: France? Yes. Okay. At least that's what I read. (laughs) Okay.
1: Um, And she's basically watching. She's people watching. Yes. And she's looking at all these people and kind of inventing these narratives for them. Mm -hmm. And she's like, she's having this beautiful moment where she realizes like, I'm connected with all of this um like we are all part of this like magnificent stage play that the world is putting on right and like you know we we all have our parts and my part is to be here and kind of Mm -hmm. partake in this and then there's this young couple that's Mm -hmm. next to her on the bench that basically like ugh, what's this old lady doing here Mm -hmm. and then they insult her and Mm -hmm. then she goes home and then basically she puts her fur away in this little box and she's kind of anthropomorphized it before Mm -hmm. and then she's like the final line is like, she thought she heard something crying and mm-hmm. then that, that's the short story. Mm-hmm. So what'd you think of it? Like I said, I felt targeted because okay. it's about a lonely English teacher. <laughs> I did not living in, in a strange place. I did not mean for that to be the case. And I was like, Oh no, I'm so sorry. Am I her? No.
2: <laughs> uh, I didn't think that you meant that, but I just was like, whew. Um, so, uh, I thought it was fine. Not my favorite thing okay. I've ever read, uh, but then again, it's probably because it had such a. I mean, it's a haunting ending. You're just like, yeah. oh no. Um, my uh, my Jack is laughing in the other room. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, my thing is, I was just like, wait, wh- how did this become
1: something important enough that it got. Into your because you read it in English class. I did. I read it in my senior year of English class. Right, and I'm like, how
2: how is this something that is in canon that we like expose you to in high school, like the literary canon? I have no idea. And I'm like, it's so short and so little happens, and it's such a bummer. Which is why it probably is because oh every yeah short every story, every short story is a bummer in this. Wh- why? why? I don't know. Every novel is a bummer. There's yeah, nothing well, where you're like,
1: oh it had a happy ending. <laughs> well, I mean, I think um oh it just flew right out of my brain. Yeah. Um I, I think it has l- it's less of a tragedy mm-hmm. than most of the short stories. Yes. Like The Scarlet Ibis, if you've read that. <gasps> which has child death in it. Yes. <laughs> or like um The Interlopers which mm-hmm. is about two men from rivaling families who get yes. trapped under a tree and then they make up and then they get eaten by wolves. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's a great story to teach irony with, by the way. Oh yeah. <laughs> but um Miss Brill it, it is very downbeat, yeah. but it's less like grand tragic and to oh. me that's what made it more yeah. heartfelt. Yeah. That's like why it impacted me. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, did you have anything any other like major observations before I joined the conversation more. No. Okay. No, I just was like, what a bummer. I'm sorry. Yeah. I want to explain to you why I yes please. like it and why I chose it. Yeah. So hopefully it doesn't seem as depressing. Yeah. Um, because I'm an English teacher that lives alone. Whatever. <laughs> I'm here, Dave. <laughs> um. Anyway, so basically we read this in class mm-hmm. and we had a class discussion about it, as mm-hmm. you do, because that's why you read it for an English class. Yeah. And I just remember getting really heated. Oh. Like, cause I just remember like Miss Brill brought this like level of emotion to me that I hadn't experienced in talking about other English literature in that okay. class. Um, and I was like defending her hardcore against a couple of students. yeah, um, And just like, I found myself really taking her side. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think it's a really interesting um, story in terms of showing you perspective. Mm-hmm. Like, cause... I feel like, I mean, you're not supposed to take the side of the young people because they are clearly very cruel and evil. Yeah. But I was the young people. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just interesting to realize it's a story about how your words and actions affect other people Mm. and about how you kind of inherently don't understand where somebody else is coming from if you don't try. Uh Um, And I don't know. I think, I think like I want, to be able to empathize with other people the way that I can with Miss Brill. Okay. And I I think it's a lesson in empathy about how not to treat people and how everyone has a really deep emotional well that they don't show just from like walking around in the world.
2: Right, okay. I like that version rather than the version where I was like, oh, this author's message is you think that you're really connected to the world but really, nobody cares, and nobody wants you
1: there. Okay, that is, that is a reading to that. Go back to your dark
2: apartment and live by yourself. Okay, that's <laughs> I definitely
1: like, a reading. I, I'm a more optimistic person, yeah. I think. Yeah, um, yeah no, what I got was, I don't think Ms. Burrow was wrong in feeling that, but no. I, I, I think she, that was cruelly ripped away mm-hmm. by people who weren't thinking.
2: Yeah, and they were young, and young people tend to be dismissive of other people. Yeah,
1: exactly. And I don't Not know. Not the
2: I, artists, though. The he, artists aren't.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that, I mean, that's why mm-hmm. we make art like Miss mm-hmm. Bro. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Full circle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just, I don't know. It just really, I think about that story all the time. Really? Yeah. I, I honestly, I can't even defend why it holds such a like yeah high pedestal in my mind mm-hmm. but i really really love it and everyone should read it yeah so i listened to a podcast that you recommended cool it is called binge mode yeah at least i hope it is or yeah, otherwise it's... i listened to the wrong thing yeah no it's binge mode. um yeah so i did listen to the black panther episode okay cool that which is the one that you mentioned mm-hmm. um and i thought they were both like it's it's a man and a woman okay. co-hosting. They sounded very young. I was surprised by that.
2: They're fairly young, but they. I mean, yeah. Go ahead. They're about my age, I think, or a little younger.
1: Okay. Um. I don't know. I was imagining because you said they had come from a sports network, or sports show. It's
2: it's. I mean, what it is is the website is called the Ringer, and it's yes, sports and entertainment all mixed together. So okay. It's, so it's an, a a website that you could appreciate. A lot of the content they do a lot of breakdowns of movies oh, okay. and and stuff and and popular culture stuff and then there's also the sports part
1: okay well see i was imagining it coming from the sports radio world which i think skews a little older no they're uh,
2: decidedly so, not that type of person they're the yes. type of people that get made fun of by sports radio okay great
1: um yeah. but yeah i I, f- I thought they were really engaged and mm-hmm. clever and like very smart like what they were talking about in terms of the power dynamics and politics and not even like, Oh, what's the like radical message of black Panther, but literally the politics of Wakanda going like really in detail about, yeah, like the power politics in the kingdom. And I was like, I don't know if this is a show I could listen to every week right? because if it's going that in depth on a topic I don't care about, right? I don't know if I could like really invest so much exactly. in it. Exactly.
2: And that's, that's the thing that I've experienced is that you just have to pick and choose with them. Yeah. If it's a topic you really want to deep dive on, download it. If it's not, don't.
1: Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> no, but the, I, I thought they were really interesting and really yeah. smart and really like opened my eyes to certain aspects, mm-hmm. especially that story that I hadn't thought about. Mm-hmm. Um. But one thing that I find really interesting in podcasts, because mm-hmm. podcasts can be made by anyone, mm-hmm. um, but also a lot of people make podcasts about one topic that they're interested in, but they're also obsessed with another topic. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something I've noticed in a lot of shows I've been listening to recently. With them, it's sports because obviously yeah. sports is an important facet in their yes lexicon. Mm-hmm. So, like they were talking about, they were just doing a plot summary of Black Panther. Oh. Hi, Echo. You um, said lexicon. Oh, no, that's her. not your name. Right? Are Stop. you? Stop. She's having a weird existential crisis. <laughs> Did she
2: just ask us what her name is? Yeah. <laughs> no. No. No, no, no. 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 I couldn't find a contact matching. no. Alexa app? Alexa, hang up. Leave me alone. Okay.
1: (laughs) I hope people could hear that That, because that was frightening. That
2: would have been a bad. I will explain that later.
1: Oh, okay. Um. Yep. So that was (laughs) weird. Um. I won't say that word again. Yeah. Um. So no, they they made a joke about like um the beginning set in Oakland in the 90s, and they Mm -hmm. made a joke about basketball or something, and. I just I just think it's so interesting when one interest starts butting up against the other one Mm -hmm. that the podcast is the podcast is not about sports Mm -hmm. but the way that they folded it in because it's such a part of their personality. Yep, Um, that's something like there's a podcast I listen to called I don't even own a television. Okay, and it's a podcast of about bad books where they read a terrible book and they talk about it every two weeks. Right, Um, but both of the hosts are obsessed with um, wrestling and with like obscure like 90s rock music yeah so the way that those aspects of their personalities keep Mm -hmm. coming into their conversations about something totally different yeah something i find really interesting yeah and so that's another that's something i connected to in this show Mm -hmm. although sports is something i have much less of a reference point right for yeah um
2: yeah no i understand that and there are there are times where you're like "I i don't even know what they're referencing like they make a sports reference and I'm like, I'm going to have to Google this when I get home. Yeah. I don't know what that was. Um, but uh, uh, what was like? Oh, they're going to do, I don't know if you picked it up,
1: but they're going to do a Harry Potter. I heard them talking about it what is they're doing they, so
2: they're gonna do what they did with game of thrones but oh okay with harry potter and it's starting soon okay and i'm excited so every week there'll be a different it'll be the books and the movies i believe okay so they'll do deep dives on everything
1: okay harry that potter does later, sound interesting which will
2: be really fun to listen to
1: i think i'll check that out mm-hmm. before i decide whether or not like i subscribe to them yeah and and they're one that
2: i subscribe but Every two episodes, I'm like, no, I'm just gonna delete that one. I, don't oh, wanna... yeah. I haven't seen that movie, and I'm not gonna see that movie. And there's no reason
1: for you to listen to them analyze it for an yeah. hour. And a half. Yeah,
2: but so I mean, that's the thing is that I, I have so many podcasts I listen to that I've I've gotten better about like I'm just not I'm not interested in this one. Whoop, it's gone. Oh, I do that all the time with yeah. certain shows. Yeah, and then there's the ones that like anytime there's a new episode, you're like, oh yay, I can't wait. Yeah, it's yeah. a
1: different dynamic, but that's how podcasts work and it it is kind of liberating sometimes you're like goodbye to this one yeah
2: wow i've been skipping this one for three months i'm just gonna finally erase it
1: so sad yeah um yeah so should we do our recommendations for next time yes
2: okay you start so i can
1: okay because (laughs) because you gave me a podcast i'm gonna give you a podcast oh cool it's one that we've talked about on the show before and you kind of made fun of me for it Mm. because it's the one it's called switched on pop Okay. And it's the one where they take a like a pop song or a pop musician from the top 40 charts. Oh yeah and they kind of talk about it in like this broad musical context and they mm-hmm. have a lot of like music theory and stuff. Okay. It's not super heavy right And the episode I'm recommending is only 23 minutes long. Oh good. So I'm hoping you like it. I, I'm try I'm learning with these recommendations. I'm trying to calibrate it more towards something that mm-hmm. you would think is interesting in any way. Yeah. but this episode it's called One Direction colon our modern day castrati that's so good (laughs) (laughs) and it's a really really good episode Uh uh-huh you get to learn about like the medieval castrati singers which are the people who were castrated so they could sing really high yes and you there's a lot of really interesting stuff about what their lives were like okay and then there's really interesting stuff about how one direction kind of fits into that format of them like medieval musicians Mm -hmm. it's super interesting
2: that's, yes, that sounds fun. That okay. That be a fun dive to take. Um, okay. So. Okay. Uh-oh. Well, I don't know, because I know that, like, we've been talking, it's more about, like, limited time, so I don't- If, if you want to do a movie, I can do that. Okay. I recommend to you, if you haven't seen it okay. already, Jim and Andy, The Great Beyond, which is the movie okay. about Jim Carrey- Oh, turning is, into Andy Kaufman. And is it, ha- isn't that new? Yeah, it's fairly new and it's okay. a, it's a documentary. Okay. On Netflix, and I recommend it. It's fascinating. Okay. And especially cuz you share the same views that I do about like method acting and uh-huh. what that means. It's a really in, it's like it's cool. It's much more existential than
1: Okay. than you would expect. Interesting. It's really cool. Do I have to have seen the movie that they're because they they made a movie together, right? It well, they isn't it Jim
2: kind Carrey, of about Jim Carrey played Andy Kaufman. Oh,
1: that's what it is. And do I, I have to have seen that movie I because I haven't? Think so okay, is it Man in so. the Moon? Is yeah. that the movie? Okay, yeah.
2: I don't think you need. It's more just you need to know a little bit about Andy Kaufman, but they, I think they kind of walk you through it. Okay, from what I remember. Okay, sure. I Think you'll be okay. All
1: right, yeah. I'll try it out. Yeah. Let's see how it goes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh yeah so that catch catch that in two weeks yay oh also what i've been doing i'm embarking on a uh, you know because i've been reading through the jane austen novels which basically this is our jane austen segment where we catch up on what's been going on with me so
2: fascinating
1: yeah well (laughs) i decided i'm also gonna watch basically all the jane austen movies oh good idea like all the ones that are specifically adapted from but, her movies, like the right. like Cure, Knightley Pride and Prejudice or whatever, uh-huh. but also all the ones that are inspired by her movies okay. or by her books. Yeah. Um, like Clueless. Clueless and. Uh,
2: um, Bridget Jones' Diary. Yeah,
1: exactly. So I'm going to watch those. And those ones I'm a little more excited for. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I just watched two different versions of her first novel, Northanger Abbey. Oh. Which is kind of exhausting. Yeah. Um, but um, one of them stars Felicity Jones and Carrie Mulligan. Um, Okay. Which is, honestly, Felicity Jones is so bad. Oh, really? In Northanger. It's a very early role for her. Yeah. And you can see the seedlings Mm -hmm. of the bland movie star she would become.
2: Yes. She's the one from Rogue One? Yes. Okay. Because I don't love Felicity Jones.
1: No. Um, She got a lot of credit for that one movie.
2: uh, The Theory of Everything? Yes. And then made a Star Wars movie that everybody was like, she was in that
1: yeah no like i and she was in inferno the tom hanks dan brown movie too um i find her completely uninteresting Mm -hmm. but there still is that kind of like rough hewn of like she is going to be a movie star and you can kind of see it yeah um but also carrie mulligan just x circles around her and she's so good
2: carrie mulligan's really great i need to see her in more things yeah that should be
1: my recommendation to myself is watch carrie mulligan and stuff you should, totally should yeah i'll show you clips of north Angel abbey i won't okay. it wasn't great okay. um <laughs> it's one of her lesser known ones so they did not have any budget
2: yeah i'm sure
1: anyway um that's gonna be that thank you okay. so much for listening fast on twitter at cast party pod mm-hmm. our theme song is good day by tally hall off the album marvin's marvelous mechanical museum jack do you have something you want to say
2: don't poop the pants
1: that's pretty perfect yeah <laughs> see you in two weeks all right, <laughs> bye. All right. <laughs> <laughs> bye. Bye. bye this episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. Okay. Hi, I'm Brennan. And I'm Sergio. And we're the co-hosts of Scream 101. Which is? Your premier podcast for horror movie reviews. Tell e- me more. <laughs> every month, we watch four horror movies based around a certain theme. Like vampires, aquatic horror, 70s proto-slashers. Just different genres. Okay. I'm a huge horror nerd. He is. Sergio is not so much. Everything you tell me goes in one ear and out the other. But he's a very nice young man and he's willing to come along this journey with me. And we can give you our two different perspectives and hopefully a couple laughs along the way. That's the dream or the plan. Come with us on this journey of joy. On this never-ending tale. On this season of Scream 101. Find us on podpeople.me.